You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's the Cooligans, stupid. Hey, another Cooligans episode! We're we in Come the on. building, yo. What's good, everybody? Welcome. It's the Cooligans, buddy. Look at that. Look at that. We did. We just, that was, we were doing a just little tech test. Bro. Uh, making sure all the buttons are working. Remember that A-Rap music used to do? That's not that impressive. We just did it, bro. Remember Kanye making his own beat? Let's go. Okay. Uh, what is it? Uh, Al-Halal uh, is involved in the A-Rap music. <laughs> yeah. By the way, the Saudi League just bought A-Rap music for 458 million euros. I mean, it's a, it's a good track. Yeah. Was it Busta Rhymes? Who no, was no, no. That? There's a producer called A-Rap music. And he, oh, he does but there was the, a song. Uh, Busta Rhymes made a song called... Yeah, yeah. We get A-Rap money. We get A-Rap money. Which upsets people. (laughs) Did you know that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, well, that's, we we like to bring up things that upset people. Yeah, Um, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Uh, My name is Christian Polanco. I'm Alexis Guerrero. We have a a hot show uh, today. Very sizzling, not just because it's hot shot right yeah, here. But get we'll your hand <laughs> off of it, Christian. It's a hot <laughs> show. I got third degree burns. <laughs> <laughs> no, because we have uh, an incredible guest. Uh, we have Franklin Leonard, uh, the creator of the Blacklist. Uh, he will be joining us to discuss the writers' not strike. the show. There's a show called Black. There is a show called The Black. I'm not going to lie. When Christian first told me, I was like, yo, I love Raymond Reddington. Yeah, 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 yeah. on TV. This no. is a good show. <laughs> no, it's, uh, the Blacklist is a uh, is, is an organization to basically get uh, uh, screenplays that are written by people to, to actually have them read and uh, like sort of peer reviewed and then uh, eventually made into films. And there have been a couple that Franklin Leonard, uh, you know, he created this organization and and, and films have actually uh, come of it, which is a pretty good. Uh, it's a good track record. It's a good track business. Because when the <laughs> thing you say can happen, happens. A lot of times, uh, nobody reads your trash, <laughs> <laughs> but this they will read it and yeah. let you know if it's good. Okay, so uh, so and Frank Lander also happens to be uh, uh, you know an obsessive uh, fo- footy fan like we are. Big football fan, great guy. Can't believe we know someone of his ilk. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> we talked to him about uh, a lot of important subjects. You think he would join our cabinet in Blangola? He'd be the smartest guy <laughs> for sure. I feel like he would oppose to a lot of the ideas we come up with. That's how smart he is. Might be a tad overqualified, <laughs> yeah, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I don't want to. In it. fact, because of that, you're banned from Blangola, dude. <laughs> okay. Don't come in here with. You genius. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so uh, we're gonna be talking to him in in a moment. And as always, a reminder: thank you uh, for for tuning in. Please hit the subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, to subscribe if you're listening to this podcast, or if you know sometimes you need to consume this podcast in 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 different ways. Maybe you uh, you know Mondays you're into uh, YouTube. Maybe Thursdays you're into Apple. Yeah, mix it up. Okay, remember Stitcher? You know, you can do whatever you want, bro. You can get us in so many different places. All right, so just have fun with it, okay? We're we're not... Who's stopping you? Don't be monogamous to one platform. Nah, go get freaky, yo. (laughs) Okay, that's all all we're about here. (laughs) Just don't tell our why. Yeah, (laughs) just slowly press a button on a different app, you know? So, uh, uh, yeah, feel free to do that. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts uh, and five stars on Spotify. Um, So... Oh, uh, let's before we get to Franklin's, uh, uh, you know, wonderful interview, interview. wonderful interview. Let we have Hotshot here. So we were trying to think of 
What what would be fun to do? So I I, I don't know if people uh, have obviously seen this. Hotshot is a is a a a, a, a cramp prevention. Uh, but it uses your brain. <laughs> okay, there's <laughs> nothing in here that stops cramps, but this tricks your brain <laughs> this into is, not cramping it, your leg. Did Franklin Leonard invent this? You know, why is too smart, bro? <laughs> why are you so smart, bro? How are you not afraid of this, but you're afraid of the vaccine? <laughs> this tricks your brain. How do we know there's not a chip in this liquid, bro? <laughs> We're not talking about Franklin specifically. Yeah, no, right? no, no, no. I meant you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The royal you. You, you, the, the listener. No. <laughs> no. Franklin's cool. Yeah, uh, Franklin's cool. <laughs> Franklin will just tell you he's going to put a chip in your brain, and it would sound like a good idea. That's how smart he is. I ain't saying no to that, man. No, nah, uh, if he's like, you need this chip, I'd be like, oh, so it, I, 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 is it a Dorito? We've seen the uh, several <laughs> uh, several NWSL players uh, freak out, freak out, have this hot shot because they were they were cramping uh, late in the game. I it, took it. Yes, you I took, took it this out. yesterday on morning footy, and you, it was fine. You didn't have much of a reaction. I didn't have any reaction. I don't believe I should have lost. Okay, I lost to Jenny because she just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She Jenny didn't know the assignment, which was to not react. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, well, I'm just going to be super casual about it. So and I'm moving stuff around. So Alexis like, has had it. I have not had it. But this is. Uh, but you are also a little less. I'm less. Alexis, hot sauce, uh, yeah. spice tolerant. Spice yeah. Tolerant. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've gotten better with it over time, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely it's not it's not my my go to. No, but you do like some spice. Yes, yes, yes. You're just not like uh, get me get, let me get the jet fuel fifty five billion. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have that on my yeah. burrito? But I remember. I mean, when we, even when we first uh, started working together, I I, my, I I I don't think I could tolerate spice as much. No, as remember I, Flama? We would throw all the uh, y- yes. the peppers in the water. Remember that time we mixed. Mc- we blended up McDonald's and Christian goes, it's too thick. Let's add water. I go, no, it's going to be like, and then all the oil rose to the top. It made me so sick. It was, it was so a, disgusting. It was awful. So uh, so this is what we're going to do because uh, we're obviously going to talk to Franklin Leonard in a moment, but we have to we have to remind people yeah. that they have to chill and we're going to chill. But also League's Cup is coming up. League's people Cup. might get cramps. <laughs> they might get cramps in, in the League's in, Cup. In you in might get like, cramps jumping up and cheering <laughs> for League's Cup. So before we talk about how you and I are going to chill. Why don't we do it while, while immediately having drank? And you got to shoot the whole thing. You got that's what I, that's you the shook plan. yours. Oh, I didn't shake anything. All Close right. it up and shake it a little bit. Okay. All right. Here All we right. go. We literally have no time. And he's like, yeah, let me just. <laughs> All right, there. You ready? Oh, uh, so it's 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 a juice. I thought it was like a. Uh, I thought it was more. It, it's more viscous than you think. <laughs> okay. Oh, there's a turn. Bottoms up, Coors Light, baby. Let's go. Are you ready? <laughs> All right. All right. So, hey, uh, what do you drink when you chill watching uh, Leaks Cup? Leaks Cup. <laughs> I, I, I uh, an ice cold Coors Light. Uh-huh. But before that, I have one of these. All right. Ice cold Coors Light. The the actual. Mountain. Oh my God! It's so much. Why is it so much? <laughs> the mountain it turns blue when the when the can is cold, right, Christian? <laughs> right, and that's what's gonna happen <laughs> during the league's cup because we're obviously gonna see Lionel Messi, yeah, play his first game July twenty first, <laughs> huh? Against Kurusasu, and I'm excited about that because I know I'm gonna be watching with an ice cold course light. Yeah, <laughs> hey, just like Christian said, ice cold course light is, I think, the most refreshing. It's literally the beer that's made to chill, even in the heat of summer soccer. Okay, like even, leaks pop, even in the heat of my mouth right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. In fact, what's one thing you think would quench your mouth right now? The, a nice ice cold course light with the blue mountains right on it. So that's right. This summer. 
Stay passionate and stay refreshed with an ice cold Coors Light, the official beer of League's Cup 2023. That's right. Get Coors Light delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash Cooligans. That's CoorsLight.com slash Cooligans. Yeah, that's right. Celebrate <laughs> responsibly. Coors Brewing Company Golden, Colorado. <laughs> Bro, Christian's face after he took <laughs> it. Was, it was, the hiccup was the best. <laughs> Why did so much come out of there? <laughs> <laughs> that was my surprise. It's uh, yeah, it's not too it's not too spicy. It's not too crazy, but it's It does do its job yeah. though, which is like shock your but system. But those those were genuine hiccups, so it got yeah. me a little bit. Um all right. Let's go uh to let's chat with Franklin Leonard, man, the 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 homie. Uh we let's talk some footy. Let's talk about the the, the ongoing uh writer strike. So, uh some important topics covered uh, uh with him. So, uh here goes. Here's our conversation with Franklin Leonard. Wow! Now we got. Now we got. We gotta. We gotta be buttoned up. We gotta be a bit proper because I'm glad you and I wore our suits for this. <laughs> because our next guest this is a CEO, and not like when you when your your friends start a website <laughs> and call themselves CEO. It's like a for real CEO. That's right. Because you know, they, I, I honestly think they giving out LLCs a little too easily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there yeah. should be a couple more, yeah. you know, barriers of right. entry. My buddy owns StolenGoods.com. <laughs> I just don't think it's a smart business idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he won't listen to hey, us. You know. <laughs> Empires have been built on StolenGoods.com. That's a great point. Well said. The uh, voice you're hearing, I mean, an empresario, can we say that? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's going to sound very regal. <laughs> uh, but no, this man is uh, just a uh, just someone who, whose work I admire uh, and just does a, a, a bunch of amazing, uh, just amazing contributions to yes. the film industry, television industry, and then accidentally changed the way film is made. Exactly. Right. And when we started this podcast, this was not the caliber of human being we thought we would ever be speaking to <laughs> on right? the show. Uh, so, and then on top of that, on top of all he has accomplished, He's also a football degenerate like we are. Hey, you got to have a toxic trait, my friend. <laughs> okay. That, I'm that is definitely mine. You can ask my wife. <laughs> we found our people. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Franklin Leonard, the creator of The Blacklist. Thank you so much uh, for joining us on The Cooligans. How you doing, man? I, I'm doing really well. I'm really excited to be here. This is, uh, yeah, I think this is my like first podcast appearance as a degenerate football fan. And uh, so I'm excited. Long overdue. Okay, yeah, this is this is your intervention. Uh, so I'm glad <laughs> we scheduled it at yeah. the same time as this interview. Uh, but Franklin, no man, uh, I there's a couple things we we want to talk about. Obviously, let's start with your connection to, to soccer, football. Your brother played yeah. professionally. He did. New England Revolution uh, left back, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, you should uh, know the position. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. So, I mean, I think he, he was a, a multi-tool player, if you will. Um, a Zinchenko before Zinchenko, maybe. Um, okay. No, but like he was like under-17 national team, uh, four-year starter at UVA, played in the, the, the revolution for a couple of years, and now he's a doctor. So, you know, under- A under, doctor! Under I mean, it's a he's like a real-life right? Grey's Anatomy character. It's ridiculous. <laughs> How much of a disappointment is it now that he's a doctor and no longer a soccer player? No, uh, it's, uh, what an incredible shift of gears. Well, I think the, the basic story is he popped his Achilles uh, in his last season for the Revolution. That was pretty and he much was like, I got career. it. <laughs> Nobody, <laughs> physios, get out of here. I, if I'm not mistaken, the, he tried to. He asked the doctor if it was possible for them to set it up so that he could watch his own surgery live. 
Damn, right, bro. like, and <laughs> and then went and did his like his like pre med courses like after college, went to med school, and yeah, he's an emergency room physician. Wow, it, that's like when I go big, to a sandwich a, shop, both, and I'm like, let me see you make the sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but exactly. Uh, no, but like both my both of my siblings are, are ridiculously uh, impressive human beings, and people are always like, "Oh, your parents must be so proud of you." And I'm like, "Ish." Um, let me tell you about my younger brother and sister. So yeah, wow. <laughs> my well, my personal love of the game. I played. I, I we were my dad was stationed in Germany. The first you know sort of team sport that I ever played uh, was football. We moved back to Georgia. I kept playing. I played in high school. Would like to think that I was decent, but was not the best player in my family. Um, and lit I, mean, I, I literally wrote my college admissions essay about what it was like being that much worse than my younger brother at soccer. Um, <laughs> and, 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 but then I think I fell in love with the game in the two, 98, 2002 World Cups, right? The 98 was the Lillian Turam year, uh, and he was sort of my hero. And then 2002, I was living in New York, and I would just go to restaurants of the various nationalities that were playing to watch the matches. And the games were really late at night, so it was like, you know, late night Koreatown for the penalty kicks. And I was like, yeah, I'm in. Like, I see why people care about this uh, in the way that they do, and like, what a great way to like, experience the world yeah we talk about that all the time of just like what what was the thing that got you hooked you know i mean it's either a world cup for me it was the fifa video games uh yeah, those that definitely like helps too yeah, yeah yeah without a doubt i i, I this is uh, off topic but you, you just mentioned doctors and because you work uh in film uh and tv uh have you been seeing those viral clips of the good doctor that go around on Twitter. Do you know this show? Do you know the show? I, I know no, the show. <laughs> I know the show. I, I've seen a few of the clips. I've not watched the show yet. I've not watched the show either. But it, it is essentially a. Uh, it's like a Doogie Hauser type show, like a young doctor. But I guess he's like on the spectrum, and he's also married. And it's just it's the most uncomfortable combination of like a a drama. Like if you were writing this script, it's one of those. Uh, there's the, the podcast, How Did This Get Made? That is one of those shows that feels a little bit like, How Did This Get Made? It is wildly strange. Yeah, was this <laughs> script on the good on the blacklist? <laughs> this script was not on the blacklist. We tend to do deal more in film. The, the wild thing about that show, I think it's a it's a remake of, I want to say, a South Korean show um, that was very popular there. It's definitely a remake. I'm not positive about South Korea, but what's amazing about it beyond that, look, there is something compelling about, like, having a doctor who's just going to tell you the truth, right? Like, right, right, yeah. Who's just like, yeah, man, you're going to die. Like, it's a wrap, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Instead of being like, I have some yeah. bad news for you, your test results weren't good. And I think that's right. probably where the drama comes. It's like everybody's dealing with these, like, really, like, pitched emotions, and this dude just cuts through it all, and it's just like, <laughs> yeah, man, you're an it's, idiot. Like, you did yeah, this to yourself. You got 12 hours. You better make peace with your God and your family. I think that that is the part Jeez. that makes it feel so unbelievable. And that's why the every single clip goes viral on Twitter, because everybody's like, who would do this? No one would do this. But I've not <laughs> seen this yet. I got to watch it. <laughs> you got to see it. It's very, very strange. Anyway. Um, okay. I, I do want to talk. We'll get back to footy in a second. But I want to talk yeah. about the, the writer strike. Because uh, obviously we we're, we're comedians. We have a lot so of many friends. We have a ton of friends. I work on so many shows. I mean, I literally yeah. I bumped into uh, Carrie Cottett just the other day. Yeah. She was at a strike striking Amazon. 
uh, the, their offices. Um, but from the, from the film uh, perspective, and even maybe even from the actors' perspective, because I know a lot of actors have been getting uh, involved uh, as well. But what is this scenario like for you, a filmmaker, and and being in in such a? I mean, it's just. It sucks because people can't work, but you obviously when it comes to writing uh, and, and the importance of it and a, a lot of people like Adam Conover also, uh, who's also been on the show, who, who yeah. really kind of breaks down a lot of the, the, the specifics of everything going on. But from your perspective, how, uh, how, how do you see this uh, playing out so far? Yeah, so I mean, I'm in kind of a weird situation because the the company that I built, the Blacklist, specifically focuses on like supporting and amplifying like great screenwriting to the industry. So we're like advocating for writers as a community, and then individual writers and individual scripts. Um, and we sort of exist in a, a, a in between space between the studios and writers, right? Um, and I think anybody who wants to understand like what the stakes of the strike are should go listen to Conover and all the many places that he is because he breaks it down far better than I'm ever going to. But the, but the basics of it are, are this, right? The studios want to extract as much money as humanly possible from the people that are working for them. Writers in particular are a profoundly undervalued part of the process of making films and television, right? Like, no one can do anything until writers do their jobs, right? Like, directors got nothing to shoot, writer, actors have nothing to say, production designers have nothing to production design, and yet they're still very much at the sort of bottom of the proverbial hierarchy in terms of, like, collecting a bag for the work that they're doing. And the, and the reason everybody else gets to collect a bag is because of them. And so over the, as long as the industry's existed, they've gotten a raw deal. There are increasing forces like AI, like the, the re reduction in size of writer's rooms that are making it really impossible for writers to sustain a career, even if you're getting consistent work, right? Like if you're writing on four shows in a year, like you should probably be able to like afford a reasonably comfortable living. Um, and so that's like, those are the stakes for the writers. I think the bigger stakes for all of us, and like, let's say you don't know any screenwriters, let's say you don't care about screenwriters, you don't care about Hollywood, you're like, everybody's trash out there anyway, like, I don't, why do I care if a writer gets $100,000 or $150,000 to write on a TV right. show? If there are no writers, and if writers can't like afford to live or afford to move to LA to try to get a job as a writer, all of the movies and TV that we're gonna have to watch whether you care about Hollywood or not, is gonna be trash. And so for me, like everybody should be on the side of the writers, unless you're a corporate C-suite executive at a AMPTP signatory company. Cause <laughs> the upside for the rest of us is better movies, better TV, and real talk, better, more money for the industry if writers get what they want. Now it may not all go in the CEOs of these companies' pockets, but everybody's gonna be getting much bigger bags if writers win this fight. And we get I have an idea. Movie. What if we used AI to find a way to go around these businesses? You feel me? <laughs> no, I so don't. So now, <laughs> now we get the writers to use AI. Hey, AI, I don't know if that's how you do it. Uh, maybe that's Alan Iverson who'll pop up if you, if you do that. Mm -hmm. We go to ChatGPT and say, hey, build me a website that streams uh, you know, content. <laughs> right, right, I mean? right, right. I Just mean, a whole media network. Use their weapon against them. <laughs> I think that's what Steven Seagal, another great actor, has taught us to do. Well, the funniest part is, right, like, fundamentally, it would be easier for AI to replace a CEO than it would be to replace a screenwriter right now. Of course. Like, real talk, an AI will can sort of gobble up the, the data that a CEO has to make a decision a hell of a lot faster than they are going to write succession. 
Yeah. Right. And I'm I'm worried about this time, right? The, you know, because I remember the last strike. The last strike happened, I think, the year I started doing stand-up comedy. And, uh, you know, my my dream was, or like my main focus was, I was writing monologue jokes for for years. I was trying to get on a late night show and, and the... The struggle, I used to write like 20 monologue jokes a day. And I was just like, this was my practice to, to kind of break into that industry. And then I would yeah. hear from, uh, uh, I was like, uh, Anthony Jeselnik was a, was a monologue joke writer on um, Fallon. Fallon, yeah. And, and, and he helped me out once and he gave me like a recommendation to, uh, to submit to, um, to Fallon. And when I found out, they, they have to write like 100 uh, monologue jokes a day. And so, so at that point, and the, the 20 I wrote, I had a full-time job and I'm writing these 20 jokes. And it's like, bro, this is like physical, this is actual labor that yep. I had a newfound respect for, uh, for writers, just especially joke writers, because it, it, it is such an intense job. And then, then, then what's sort of happening now is just like this de demonizing of writers, which is like, as if it, there's some elite class of of people right. of of right. that, <laughs> that oh are you one of those scribes <laughs> exactly, sorry exactly. which where's your yacht park <laughs> it's such a strange uh, Look, thing man, to LaCroix, see Lacroix is expensive yeah <laughs> especially look if you want like a good vintage of Lacroix man like that's expensive mm. stuff Ooh, is that Pamplemousse 2022? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, it, it's like um, I, my my other concern is that during that last strike, the the absolute trash television that came during and after it. I, I only have to mention Heroes. Did you ever watch Heroes? The show Heroes. <laughs> oh no, I thought you were gonna tell us your heroes during that time. <laughs> No, this show that was on NBC that was amazing was about like superheroes, and at the time yeah, I was, was going like, to say the first season of Heroes was dope. People loved it. I was I thought you were going to talk about like the, that that was bad, and I was like, hang on, I no, gotta, no, no, that wasn't bad. But like, like, they, had, they had like real issues, like human issues, yeah, right? But that powers yeah. and stuff like that, yeah. And it was like you know every find the save the cheerleader or whatever. Yeah, But yeah, then that's the right. brighter strike hit, and that show got demolished, destroyed. It was just like literally the the producers were like, all right, well then um, he's gonna kiss her. And, yeah, yeah, and like yeah. literally, they, you could tell they were just patching it together on screen. And then on top of that, we got reality TV. Reality TV exploded in that yeah. time, and right. and it's really probably what why we have like shows like Jersey Shore and all this other stuff. And it, there was just so finally much. finally good TV, right, Franklin? <laughs> Jeez. So, so what what is the, the what are the repercussions of this uh, this strike? Because now we have so many more streaming platforms and, and so many uh, outlets for content. What is the content going to look like after this strike? I mean. If I'm being honest, it's not going to be good for a little bit, right? Like, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the things that you're looking forward to coming back this early this fall ain't going to be there, right? And, yeah. and there's going to be some trash television in its place. So, again, like, we want writers to be able to do what they do, do the best versions of it, and get compensated appropriately for it for them, but also for us so we can watch some Look, I'm a bit of a homebody, right? Like, if I'm not watching football, I'm probably at home and I'm probably watching movies and television. And I would just like that stuff to be good. <laughs> yeah, I think the worst case scenario would be if they if they all started to do soccer podcasts. Please no, <laughs> don't pivot. Don't Please pivot. no. <laughs> <laughs> Leave us alone. 
Uh, I mean, look, you know, yeah. the numbers may be up for football this fall because there's no television to watch. Now, granted, it's not like competitive with like evening television, but maybe MLS. I don't know. Hey. Also, also from your perspective, uh, from someone in this business, do you think this creates a shift where we've seen so many other industries use social media to sort of detail the behind the scenes or the day in the life of yada 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 do you think this is what happens with writers do you think they start maybe youtube channels or tiktok channels that kind of propel themselves a bit more to the front lines or to the you know visually it's it's a really interesting question i actually think that writers would be well served by you know establishing their own sort of public brands and personas right like there are writers we know most of them are writer directors but like everybody knows who quentin tarantino is right um everybody knows who aaron sorkin is and those are people who like you know had a name and so they could carry that name with them in negotiations wherever they they wanted to go you know ryan murphy shonda rhimes folks like that um but i don't know that like TikTok or YouTube is going to best serve most writers that I know. Like, we we don't need ten thousand screenwriters on TikTok trying to like establish followings. <laughs> like, some of them would emerge, but I don't think that's good for anybody, least of all them. Um, but I do think that writers are going to, you know, when the strike ends, get back to the grind of writing great stuff. And you know, in time, because it takes long a long time for that stuff to get made, we're going to see great stuff again. I, I hope that the get the, the the negotiations and however they're resolved gives writers more power because with more writer power comes better movies and television. I, I guess my, ne my next question is kind of just like maybe for people who are, who are not fully aware of like what the writers are asking for, from your perspective, yeah. is there, I mean, I've seen the list of like what, what the writers are asking for and what the studios want and where they sort of can't meet in the middle. Is there any side? I'm, I'm obviously pro-writer, but then I'm like, is there anything... That it, that the writers are asking like too much of like they, they, it, it seems everything seems pretty reasonable and and it's, it seems like the, even the cut of the pie that they're asking for is not even that much and it's not crazy yeah yeah so it's like why won't the studios make any concession almost whatsoever i mean how long has this strike already been going it's already been over two months no yeah i think we're i think as of today it's like 52 days 51 days somewhere in okay. there um you know, the last one went 100 days. So, you know, we're still very much in the pocket. Um, you know, look, I think if I was to put myself in the studio's seat and, and put, I try to imagine why, like why they're negotiating the way that they are, you know, fundamentally, a corporation's job is to make as much money as it possibly can. And so why, like, why, they're not incentive incentivized to give away anything and i think especially right now when a lot of these companies are judged not by not on their long-term sort of stability or sort of slow growth they're judged on immediate growth and um you know and, and their stock price the the people who are running those companies have a real incentive to focus on short-term gains and so the short-term giving up a little bit of money is about short-term gains. They don't think, for example, yo, if I give up a little bit of money here, if I sort of establish these AI protections uh, that allow writers to like use it as a tool, but not get, you know, not lose out on jobs and money because of it. If I make sure that there are writers' rooms of a suitable size that like young writers can get experience to become the big writers whose names we all know now, Maybe I'll make a ton of money in the next 10, 20 years and be a hero to the industry. They're thinking, I got to flip, I got to cut costs, I got to juice revenue, and I got to make that stock price pop because I'm probably going to be out of this seat in two to three years anyway. So why am I worried yeah. about 10 years down the line? 
Yeah, I mean, then and That's now you're seeing look at it. Now you're seeing the like who who was the the executive that was uh, doing like the graduation speech and was getting booed oh, and, they, and David Zaslav and uh, David Zaslav <laughs> yeah. at Warner Brothers Discovery. Yeah, so man. it's like. You know, it's you love to see that. I mean, it's like it, it's about it, time. Yeah, it, it's just one of those things where it just seems like the an easy, um, you know, you're on the wrong side of history sort of argument. I mean, I, I don't I don't get how, um, you know, the, the the studios are not coming to the table with like a good faith negotiation and, and like really kind of just seeing what you're saying. There, there is a long-term kind of uh, a vision to what the film and television industry should look like when it comes to writers and actors. And it's just very odd. Just like it happened. I mean, you, we almost like don't learn from our mistakes and from the previous uh, strikes. So, uh, but but I, I think now with with streaming and, and now since there isn't uh, like... Um, residuals like what what were you what we've been grown up with with shows being syndicated mm -hmm. uh now it's just like you know make make the make the show for my streaming platform we'll pay you and then peace and and that that, that just no way to to sustain a career if that's uh, going to be the business model yeah and look i think the writers will acknowledge like the business has changed dramatically and all they want is a fair piece of of the, the, the upside of how that business has changed. You know, I think, look, I think some of this is just competence on the part of the AMPTP. I actually don't think they fully understand like capitalism and like how the ecosystem works and why film and television matter and how to get good films and TV. I think another part of it is, is just an unfortunate incentive structure that's, that's making, I shouldn't say it's making them do anything that allows them to, to make bad short-term decisions, but you know, good, you know, short-term decisions that have really bad negative repercussions for their own companies in the long term. All right. It's so frustrating, but hopefully this ends soon. Okay. Let's get back to uh, footy because uh, let's, let's talk you. about those, those, <laughs> those script writers writing, right. writing, uh, you know, major league soccer. And they were like, you know, jumping the shark, bringing in, bringing in Lionel Messi right. from strike to strike. <laughs> <laughs> um, your what, your thoughts on that news, and we'll we'll bounce around to a bunch of different leagues. I want to get your thoughts on a bunch yeah, of stuff. But Lionel Messi coming to uh, Miami, how'd you feel about it? I'm excited about it. Look, and I'm also a season ticket holder at LAFC. So, like, my big question right now is like, how at what point? Like, at what price would I sell those tickets? Because that number <laughs> keep, that number keeps creeping up, and I'm like, I could afford season <laughs> tickets for next year if I sell one of these things. Um, no, I'm look. I'm excited for it. I actually am, am less interested in Messi individually coming, but this like Messi Busquets Alba trio rolling in, uh, yeah. I think is really potentially exciting. Um, look, I don't I discount Luis right Suarez. Movie. By the way, he's Wait, retiring the, because of knee injuries in right. uh, Brazil. But I have a feeling those uh, those knee injuries are going to go away in Miami. <laughs> I look. You know, you got to get back to that. The, 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 the doctors in Miami are good. The beach is great. Look, mm -hmm. I actually just think don't go that, to Doctor Miami. <laughs> You're gonna BBL. That's not what you want, dude. Louis, oh, you can see Franklin's brother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Suarez is gonna show up looking like a completely different man in Miami. <laughs> um, I no, I think it's I, I think it's exciting, and I think it, it will hopefully sort of force everybody else to up their game. I, I think that it hopefully will drive a ton of revenue into the league. Like, I don't think it's gonna get me my eventual wish of promotion and relegation, and I'm not gonna like inspire the the, the Twitter mob on that one. But like, I, I I think that there is something really special to be built in a U.S. soccer pyramid, and I think that like getting Messi over here is one step along that way. 
I think there's so many people. I am pro. I'm pro Messi and ML, MLS for sure. Yeah, I That's can't tough. imagine anyone is uh, you know against it. <laughs> uh, maybe Orlando City fans. I can't, the only ones <laughs> I can think of. But we've spoken to so many people who were not impressed or could care less about MLS. And then, especially our friends in LA, it seems like when a team comes into that city and does well, friends in Atlanta, friends in LA, when LAFC came, it sort of yeah. shifted. It shifted their their mindset. You know, um, oh God, why can't I remember his name now? Ian. Ian Edwards was oh, like, yeah. oh, I'm never watching MLS. Why would I watch Division Three basketball? Now, huge LAFC fan. Always at the LAFC yeah. Always there, you know. <laughs> uh, why don't you talk a little bit about how that experience for you, you know, especially someone who first watched it in Europe growing up and now seeing that the it's seemingly the level that LAFC has reached, especially the fan base there. Yeah, I well, I think I think LAFC has done a really good job with the fan experience. So I think even if you're not that crazy about football, you're going to go to be part of this like community event. Like it's a good day out. And I think that was very similar. You know, I, I grew up in West Central Georgia, so a lot of my friends live in Atlanta now and became Atlanta and big Atlanta United fans. And they were just like, look, the vibes are incredible. Um, and I think that that I think that's a large part of it. I think that you know, for me, I. You, my brother played in the league, so I think I probably had a head start in like caring about it. But I was, I wasn't all that. Ex I wasn't going to Galaxy games once he retired, right? And like they're in my backyard. But when LAFC came, I, I you know bought season tickets the first year, even though that that price tag. I, it felt like something, but it felt like, oh, I can be invested in this team in my hometown, and I look forward to over time you know, celebrating and, and, and complaining about, about how they're performing. Um, and I think yeah. people are taking real ownership of that. And I think as the game continues to get better and there are names that people recognize from their various World Cup jaunts once every four years, the, the game will continue to catch on. I also think we're benefiting from a generation of folks. I think we're kind of the first generation that like all grew up playing soccer in the US, right? Like my dad's generation didn't really play. They played football, they played basketball, but like, everybody played AYSO, right? And so now you, you cut, you, we're all adults, we have some like spare income. It's like, yeah, why would I not take my family to a game in the local, in my local city? All right, Did, were, were you at the MLS Cup final? Yeah, hell yeah, I was. Okay. That was crazy. Yeah, yeah, that, was <laughs> that was probably the best, it was probably the best live game I've ever been to. Not necessarily for like the quality of football per se, but like the drama was unbelievable. Was, it was so wild. <laughs> right, you couldn't, yeah, write, yeah. You no, couldn't write it. If I got a screenplay that way, I'd be like, this is cute. This person knows football, but like, <laughs> this is nonsense. Did you also write The Good Doctor? You know? <laughs> 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 if that's the case, you don't go to penalties, right? The, emotion, right. the, emotional, the emotional topography is a little on the nose. Like, I right, see what right. you're doing here, but uh, no one's going to buy this. <laughs> you, you mentioned a promotion relegation and that being a, a, a wish of yours. That, that, you know, it's, a, it's a topic we talk about a lot. And, and you know, yeah. I, I think I know where you stand on it, but I, I, I want to pivot into the fact that you are you you go to a lot of lower league games in England. I've seen I do. Uh, your Instagram, uh, your Instagram, uh, and and that is clearly you know you know the promotion relegation aspect of that of the culture. Their football culture is clearly uh, I think uh, driving that interest in, in going to those games. Um, but what is the is there any particular favorite ground or favorite game that you've uh, that you've attended? Uh, and and what 
What made you, you know, I think a lot of times people imagine the the, the pil pilgrimage of going to a Premier League game of like, oh, I want to go to the Emirates. I want to go. Uh, uh, Old Trafford. Old Trafford. Nobody says Goodison Park, sadly. Uh, but <laughs> Including Everton fans. <laughs> but what what is the, 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 the thing that made you go, I want to go to Luton Town and, yeah, yeah. and, and some of these. Dag and Red. <laughs> I, I, have not, I have not been to Luton Town, but that is like. Probably number one on the list for 2023-24. Like, I got to right. go to a Luton Town match. Um, okay, so definitely my favorite. I, uh, I happened to be in London for, I guess it was the third round of the FA Cup. And, like, one of the bucket list things for me was to, like, go to a lower league FA Cup match and see, like, a big upset. And yeah. I realized that the closest match was uh, Boreham Wood, which is, you know, fifth division. And they were playing AFC Wimbledon. We were third at the time in the third round of the FA Cup. Um, and I went, it was pouring rain, uh, and uh, Boreham Wood won, two to one, with like a 88th minute goal in the, in the pouring <laughs> rain. And, and the crowd went off. Right. It, the, it was, the place was packed. They were going to the fourth round of the FA Cup for the first time in the team's like hundred year history. Like you don't get moments like that with a bunch of people that you don't know that often in life. And I think for me, like that's the draw of the lower league ground experiences. These are like, yes, it is. And I go to more than my fair share of like the, the great churches of, of the game. Right. Like I just did a run uh, last two months ago where I hit uh, Emirates twice Wembley for the FA Cup semifinal, uh, Barcelona, went to the Arsenal Man City game in, Ma in Manchester. Like, I, I, I was sort of, I was, I was a crazy person. But the, like, these teams have deep and abiding followings of people that care about whether, like, how they do, whether they're in the third division or the fifth division or the seventh division, and getting the different flavors of those parks and like that level of devotion even if you don't have the beautiful comfortable stadium with the great food and whatever it's it's it i don't know that there's anything quite else like it on earth i, I mean you mentioned the like food. a human okay. vibes like crowd connecting to other people sort of thing and it feels like people who are wildly dedicated to this club even though they don't get the TV rights, and they, you know, it's not easy to follow. They're still wildly dedicated to it. Yeah, I, I mean, I went to a um, an Everton QPR Carabao Cup match away at QPR. I was in, I was in a, at QPR, and yeah, that was that, that, like, that, that's a good stadium. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was a really like genuine experience where you feel like, all right, this that is was your first Everton match ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember we met up for drinks after because I was in London as well. Uh, and you had a big smile on your face. You're like, it was awesome. We lost. We, but lost, it was in, awesome. we lost in pens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the opposite didn't go the way I wanted. Yeah. Uh, but you you mentioned food and that maybe the quality of food. Obviously, you've been to a, a lot of grounds. And the food is always a thing that, that comes up uh, in conversations uh, amongst us because, you know, we all see like uh, uh, footy scran and all that footy stuff. Great, but yep. I, I'm sure you have quite a few pies all over all the different grounds or whatever. I have. <laughs> you do bacon I buddies. Have. What's your What's your move? Oh, I'm definitely a pies guy for sure. Uh, okay. I'm, I yeah. Look, it's it's this one place where I just give myself permission to be a five year old at a birthday party and just eat whatever <laughs> the hell I want. Um, and yeah, it's definitely like you know, whatever pies are available, I'm I'm choosing. That's that's the direction I'm headed for sure. Nice, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, uh, we had we did a bacon buddy in uh, at, at, in Liverpool. Yeah, which uh, turns out it's just bacon on 
buttered bread. Let's make it all on <laughs> bread, on brioche. Yeah, not that's too, it. Yeah, yeah. Not too creative uh, when it comes to, you know, the yeah. ingredient list. Not really my buddy, uh, <laughs> but I get it, you know. Uh, you know, do pies at Goodison Park. and, and then, But then, you know, the, the fancier grounds have fancier food. Emirates has pretty good food. Yeah, Emirates has pretty good food. I, you know, yeah. all jokes aside, Tottenham Stadium, it looks like it has incredible food. Mm-hmm. Are they trying Stadium to draw NFL is- fans? <laughs> <laughs> Do you support a particular uh, club anywhere? I Europe? don't. I'm. I think I'm a true neutral man. Like I'm an LAFC supporter, obviously, but I, I think I'm a lot more compelled by players and narratives than I ever have been anything else. Like someone, someone, someone. One of my friends asked me this, and I gave him my answer, and he was like, "So basically, you're saying you're just a messy bitch who loves drama," and <laughs> and, and he's not wrong. Uh, yeah. Give me, which is why the the MLS Cup was so incredible. Because like I got the all of the messy drama that a person could want, and it was my team that came out on on top. But yeah, no, look, I, I'm I, I I have really deep affections for individual players and individual storylines. Like I was an Arsenal fan this year because I just love the idea of Arteta going to Arsenal and then having to like you know literally beat his father figure in order to to win the title. Um, I think it's even more compelling, arguably, now that he failed to this time, and we'll. we'll try it again um you know I, I was a huge N'Golo Conte fan so I had a lot of affection for Chelsea for a while um it varies it really it really does just it mix you know I was a Leicester fan their year like that okay. it, it just kind of goes with usually some version of an underdog story or incredibly compelling personality what, what do you think about and Alexis can weigh in on this as well but what do you think about uh, uh Saudi Arabia seemingly moving money to get these Chelsea players. Like, I don't understand what... I mean, they print money, so... (laughs) What is... How is this working out where, uh, conveniently, every player that Chelsea needs to offload and get off the books, Saudi Arabia's like, hey, we're really interested in that (laughs) that guy. Yeah, and we want to maybe loan them out to Newcastle. (laughs) What? How do you feel about uh, some of these moves? Uh, I mean... I guess congratulations, Todd Bowley, um, for finding a corporate <laughs> partner that will save you from the mess you created. Um, I It troubles me. I, I think I have not had a chance to map out all of the sort of corporate relationships between, for example, Chelsea and Saudi Arabia, right? Like the private yeah. equity firm that I know is invested in Chelsea is also like co-invested in a lot of other investments with the Saudi, uh, you know, wealth fund. So look, it's this is not sadly the only example of such uh moves in the world of global soccer um I'm I'm also just now like sort of fascinated by the notion of the Saudi League. Like, is it the new China Super League? Is it like something right. new? Like, what 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 is Super League is a, probably a great way to put it. Uh, actually, frankly, just hold on one second. I got to read uh, our sponsors. Travel to South Korea. No, no, sorry. <laughs> Travel to SaudiArabia.com. <laughs> Uh, the Saudi Super League is a wonderful league. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I think the funny thing is, is that, you know, you mentioned it, Clearwater Capital and all these things. It's like, you know, yeah. the way money is moved these days, at some point, you, we're probably just going to have to just separate ourselves from everything that happens right, 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 and right. just watch the 90 minutes because that may be the only way forward. Every, we're literally, we watch the 90 minutes in silence. Yeah, no yeah. one speaks to each other. No one voice yeah. any opinion. No, we do not root for anything other than goals. But I think, so So here's my other weird take on this though, Like, right? Like, 
there's so much in our lives that that is good and but still somehow corrupted, right? Like on some level, like America, ideals, love it. Execution, working on it. And I, yeah, I, yeah. And I feel like what's sort of fascinating about football is that it is always the sort of like uh, the purest example of all of these phenomena that exist in the world. And then they get sort of like played out through this like game that everyone cares about. And then we have to contend with the realities of like how this thing is like how this thing that we all love rightly comes into existence. But it's not like yeah, this is it like is new stuff. Yeah. 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 It's just a um, I mean, it's 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 interesting because it's like I, I think it's also why like maybe Ted Ted Lasso was uh, so successful in in finding a way to take this fanatical, almost religious sort of thing and and put some humor on it. You know, that's why I think the English uh, uh, didn't embrace Ted Lasso that quickly. It's just like, oh, they hear American. The, the concept is just like they just assume it's going to be stupid. And you realize, oh, this is a pretty heartwarming story that is actually kind of doing justice to the tradition of the game. And it's stupid in a fun way. Yeah. Yeah, I also think it gave us like the ability to believe that like somewhere there's a team that is fighting against all of the evil forces that affect the <laughs> game, right? Like, right. like they're they're turning they're turning down billion dollar bids for the club. You know, Sam's out there fighting against like Nigerian petro like lord. <laughs> it's it included um, yeah. everything. So, you know, and like you know Jamie and 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 Jamie Tart becomes like you know the best possible ally and friend on earth, right? <laughs> Also, Although, the team learned total football in one training session. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's an <laughs> idealized portrayal of this thing we all love and no, does not exist. I actually do think that Jack Grealish is probably more like Jamie Tart at the end of the movie than he was at the beginning, if I had to speculate. <laughs> this is my theory. That makes, yeah. sense. That makes sense. Yeah, there is a... Uh, yeah, look, this is a... Uh, uh, you know, we uh, we can go on for hours. This is a, a lot of fun yeah. stuff. Uh, I, I do want to talk about, uh, you know... We mentioned Blacklist uh, a little bit, but if there's any, uh, you know, you can maybe talk a little bit about uh, uh, Blacklist and let people know uh, what it is for the for the six people that may not be aware. But the, oh, uh, you know, any particular aware. any any particular projects and anything uh, that you want to let people know about. So I was actually trying to think of like how to explain the Blacklist in footballing terms, uh, yeah. and, and here's here's what I came up with. Um, where the FIFA headquarters are, where exactly? In, I, I in can't Zurich. Remember. Zurich. Zurich. Yeah. All right. So um, imagine if in global football, to become a professional footballer, you had to move to Zurich and like go to a bunch of tryouts and play in a bunch of games. And then the people in Zurich said, okay, you're dope. You can go play somewhere. You can go play in this team, right? That's a little bit how Hollywood is organized right now, if you're, especially if you're a writer, because like the pitch has always been, oh, I want to be a screenwriter. What do I do? I moved to L.A. Uh, I network until someone pays attention to me. And then when somebody who's already in the industry is like, yeah, you're actually pretty dope, then I can get a job. And that's not a good model for finding talent, right? Like <laughs> right, right. Most teams Shocking. have scouts. <laughs> they send people out into the world so they can find some random 5'3 kid who's going to be the greatest of all time. Um, and so... Really, the blacklist is designed to be like an automated scouting system for writers. So no matter where you live, no matter who you are, you, if you've got some fire screenplay or television pilot, you can sort of upload it to our website for a small fee um, and get feedback. And if that feedback says, yeah, this is dope, we'll tell everybody in Hollywood, 
not we were not telling the studios right now because we're on strike uh, in, in solidarity with the writers. But like we'll tell agents, managers, producers, actors, directors like, yo, this, this is a pretty good this is a pretty good script. You should do something with it. And then those people will get in touch with you directly uh, at, at no additional charge. Um, that's kind of what it is. It's, it's blacklist.com with no vowels, blcklst.com. So if you are a writer or an aspiring screenwriter, at least check us out. Um, and then on that, we are working with Ed Solomon, who wrote Men in Black and uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, to do like a writing, screenwriting seminar that will be available on Zoom It'll be free. We're asking people to donate to the WGA strike funds. Um, if you go to our website or you go to any of the Blacklist social media, just the BLCKLST on Instagram or Twitter, information will be there. Um, and it's dope. And we have some pretty incredible guests. First uh, episode is Lena Dunham and Susanna Fogel. Second episode is Jesse Armstrong, who wrote Succession. Eric Roth, um, who wrote like The Insider. So uh, it'll, be, it'll be fascinating conversations. And if you want to learn about screenwriting, like you'll definitely pick some stuff up. That's amazing. Wow, All right, you know what? Yeah. I'm I'm gonna join. I'm gonna I'm I'm, in, I'm interested in that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. That sounds that sounds really really dope. So. Uh, um, all right, and, and also thank y'all for doing what you do. I, I, I'm a fan, and I look forward to uh, wherever y'all pop up, and that's uh, increasingly random spots like the congressional <laughs> soccer <laughs> game. It's what we do best. In fact, look to your left number. <laughs> we here now. And if you come across any script that requires, uh, you know, uh, if it's a football script or requires two two dummies who know a lot about football, buddy, yeah, yo, wait, wait how wait. how have they not? Here's the, here's the big AI question for y'all. FIFA comes to you and says, "Look, we want to add like you know, sort of more comic, co- you know, informed commentary." You know, during halftime, we're going to add like, but we need to buy, we, we need your likeness and voice, and we're going to use AI <laughs> to do it. But it's got to be in perpetuity. But, ooh, so there's a, there's a, what, no, what's the number? Halftime show, Cooligan's halftime show on FIFA forever. I'd say talk to my agent MBS. <laughs> <laughs> okay. we, that might be an op- that might be an optimal strategy, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might be the only way out. <laughs> that might be the that only might way be out. An optimal strategy. Uh, Franklin Leonard, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Everybody uh, watching or listening, uh, go check out the blacklist. Uh, and, and again, uh, you want. Uh, more information about uh, about the strike. Uh, uh, I mean, there's a lot of resources. Obviously, we mentioned Adam Conover, Franklin Leonard is, is one as well. Uh, but just it's nice to see a footy fan, obviously in Hollywood. Uh, Huge. Uh, you know, uh, bigging up the we game. We out here, man. Yeah, we out here. There's not many of us, so we gotta do we gotta do the work. And if you want to know more, watch your TED talk. Uh, how I accidentally uh, changed the way film is yeah, made. Yeah, I believe that, it's correct. It's uh, absolutely brilliant. Um, all right, Franklin. 1.6 million people watched it. You might as well too. <laughs> Franklin, uh, thank you so much for joining us, man. Uh, we'll hope uh, we'll hope you're well, and thank you again. Thank you for everything you do, brother. Cheers. Uh, back at you. My pleasure. What an incredible interview we conducted with an amazing human being, <laughs> we, Franklin. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the reviews are in by us, and we are pretty amazing. The and most so, important reviews is us. <laughs> uh, all the critics are raving about our interview. Uh, I mean, it's we're, uh, us. We're, the, we're also the critics. Amazing things have been said about this interview. Like uh, Alexis Guerrero said, amazing things have been said about this interview. <laughs> we're in this endless <laughs> loop of <laughs> of uh, the critics. Uh, no, but shout out to Franklin Leonard. Uh, go uh, look up uh, look up the blacklist. Look up uh, uh, you know a lot of the work that they're doing. If you're a screenwriter as well, like uh, maybe that's a, you you could uh, submit uh, yeah. something there as well. So. He mentioned too they're having a screenwriting seminar, I believe. 
Eve that's, on Zoom coming that, up pretty soon. So that, check out the that's right. Stuff. So check that out as well. So um, the okay, a couple uh, just quick notes. Um, uh, on Monday, uh, on July third, we have an exciting episode coming up because we have a huge guest flying in all the way from Kansas City. Kansas City. <laughs> okay. Yes, Dorothy from Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Bro, we're going to say, homie, you ain't in Kansas no more. <laughs> okay. She's going to be like, everybody, don't make me say it again. Again? <laughs> um, Put a house on top of Christian with his little toes sticking out. <laughs> y'all, y'all know the classics. Uh, no, we're going to be joined by special guest Kevin Cho. Oh my God. <laughs> That's right. We're going to get him to say that in studio. He is coming in studio. We're going to be doing our show live as well on YouTube, uh, uh, most likely at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, you know, time may change due to whatever, you know, when yeah, TV yeah, shows yeah, say yeah. weird stuff. Uh, <laughs> Card <laughs> subject to change. <laughs> you know how it is, okay? It might not be like, it might just be Kevin and, and Miguelito. Yeah, yeah. we'll yeah. just hang out. We'll just hang out. It so, might, we might be in Kansas City. No one knows yet. <laughs> okay, we're going to be screaming about uh, sporting Kansas City yeah. uh, from our homes. Ram Zussing! <laughs> just a lot of that. So uh, he's going to be joining us in studio. Uh, we're going to be doing the show live. So please, please come through. Join us. It'll be a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, go crazy in the chat, just like you do on his stream, just like you, people used to do when we were doing our show live. So we're excited to reconnect with our live audience again mm. uh, on this Monday. Minute, so And please also, we're doing the live premieres on YouTube now. So when the episodes go out at 8 p.m., jump in. You can chat with all our other listeners like we used to. We won't be able to see what you're saying, but you guys can talk to each other, build that quote. Oh, we'll see what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, um, uh, join the Patreon, patreon.com slash soccer cooligans. Uh, always, I, I'm, I'm always um, impressed by the, especially our, our Gully Squad uh, Slack community. We get so much love. Uh, yeah, just, uh, and, and, and just people showing a lot of love to each other. It's a, it's a vibrant community of, of people. You uh, made it sound like an orgy. <laughs> sure. I mean, I, 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 it's not my business what they just do. Just a vibrant group of people showing each other love. <laughs> But there's a, a the Patreon. There's a lot of, uh, um, uh, you know, it, it, I, I don't know. Is it, it? Are you allowed to have orgies on Patreon? Uh, I, I think know. so. <laughs> I don't know what the rules are exactly. Hey, listen, that's just a group. They're just only fans. So join the Patreon. I promise you may not get involved in an orgy. I don't think uh, there's a really, really good chance you will not be in an orgy. So. Depends on how much you're willing to pay. <laughs> uh, but feel free uh, to do that. Uh, we have, uh, you know, usually when we have guests, uh, it's an opportunity to ask questions of the guests. So we 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 field questions from our Patreon members. So uh, that's that's the place to do that. So patreoncom cooligans Join today. All right, we'll be back on Monday uh, with a live episode on uh, here on YouTube. It's not going to change, by the way. If you're a podcast listener, it's still obviously going to yep. be up on YouTube because it was live. Yeah, yeah. So you'll still get DraftKings Network. DraftKings Network. Absolutely. Shouts yeah. to DraftKings Network. Shouts to Metal, uh, well, I guess Dan Levitard, whatever you guys want to call each other. Uh, <laughs> Shouts to everyone. Uh, we should uh, we should have like a, um, a candle with with Dan on it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like a little, like a Santeria. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're yeah. one for one. We're one for one on the Santeria with Everton staying up. So Okay, yeah. So. Hey, listen, we still have the, the, the wax on here, bro. <laughs>
Yeah. Do we still got the candle? <laughs> Damn, we don't do garbage. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be back on uh, Monday with a really fun episode. So we'll see you then. Real right. quick before we leave, are you feeling this hot shot go travel through your stomach? No, not really. It's 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 still right here. Well, you should swallow. All right. <laughs> what are you? What are you? A squirrel? How are you doing? <laughs> Peace, everybody. It's the Cooligans, buddy. Love you guys. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.